I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. I am a big believer in the power of our minds, the power of our thoughts, our ability to rewire our brains through conscious thought. Viktor Frankl, who survived the worst possible conditions that we as humans can experience as a survivor of the Holocaust, referred to this power of the mind when he said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Our reality today is not as extreme as the Holocaust, but there is a lot of anxiety in our country, in our world today, and it's been turbocharged by racial and political tensions, a global pandemic, and the resulting economic situation. So there are some real challenges to mental well-being right now. I think this is the perfect time to increase our awareness and practice of healthy mental habits. Sometimes just a small habit adjustment can have a significant long-term course correction effect. We're talking today about the power of song lyrics and the impact they can have on our perspective, regardless of where we are in our levels of anxiety and mental well-being. My guest today is Dr. Jamie Goldstein, a licensed clinical psychologist who lives and works in the San Francisco Bay Area. She is the co-author of the book released in April called Positive Psychology and Practice, Simple Tools to Pursue Happiness and Live Authentically. Welcome to the show, Dr. Goldstein. Thanks so much for having me, Mindy. Great to have you. I am a big fan of Michael Franti, his music, his lyrics, his philanthropic work, his documentary, Stay Human, premiered during quarantine. And in it, he said, the best songs have positive messages hidden inside, like a positive affirmation. What's your take on that concept based on both your training as a psychologist and also anecdotally in your personal experience and in your practice? Sure. Yeah, I had the opportunity to watch Stay Human. Did and you? I did. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty powerful, uh, pretty powerful documentary that really speaks to the way in which music and lyrics can encompass uh, the full extent of what it is to be human, mm. uh, which which I really love and appreciate because there's a way in which it can be hard to find the way to express ourselves and express the full range of uh, of human emotion. And so music, especially lyrics, uh, really offers the capacity to do that. So certainly there's a way in which we can think about it in terms of positivity and upping our positivity, but we can also think about it in the sense of what it means to just have access to our full range of emotion. So that's sort of the lens through which I think about music and I think about lyrics is not only to access those positive feelings like resilience, like empowerment, um, excitement, joy, elation, all of those things, but also the positive effect that music has in our ability to access the full spectrum and the full range. That's interesting that you say that because there's a quote, I'm going to kind of butcher it because it's not in front of me, but it's mm -hmm. something like 
Emotional health is the ability to experience the full range of emotions, including negative emotions, and then return to a sense of calm and well-being. So it's not that you're not experiencing any negative emotions at, at all. It's that you have the power to experience them fully and then bring yourself back to a place of homeostasis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's something that um, is written about actually in the Positive Psychology in Practice book when we uh, talk about resilience. Um, I remember writing this section about rubber bands. And, you know, I talk in a lot of metaphor, which makes sense given that I love song lyrics so uh -huh. much. Um, I speak in a lot of metaphor in my professional work. And rubber bands are really amazing, right? You can pull them every which way um, and contort them them and distort them. And there's always a way in which they find their ability to come back to a natural state like that homeostasis that you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. And so there's a way in which yeah, like you just said, building emotional fitness is really about building our capacity to be rubber bands that we can have up spikes in our emotion, we can have down spikes in our emotion and to regularly find ways to encompass all of that and come back to that sort of balanced state of being. And, and again, like you said, that balanced state of being isn't necessarily good, bad, right, wrong. It's just being able to move through all of the ways in which that rubber band is pulled, right? Because life is going to pull us in all sorts of direction at all times and not snap, essentially. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you see music playing into somebody's ability to be resilient? Mm, yeah, I think about the ways in which um, there's a patient in particular I'm thinking about. He came in wanting to find ways to sort of like we were saying with this rubber band to access the full extent of his emotions without um, reaching that snapping point, right? And, and we often think about reaching that snapping point, just a little asterisk and caveat here. We often think about reaching that snapping point in terms of negative emotion, but the thing Thing is something like happiness is also an elated state mm -hmm. and so we don't want to stay there for too too long in fact we can't right emotions by nature are ephemeral meaning they come and they go and so if we're trying to maintain any elated state mm -hmm. it actually isn't sustainable for us mm -hmm. and so this person in particular wanted to find ways to be able to access these emotional states and move through them in ways that would feel sustainable. So what we started to do um, to give him language for some of these emotions is I had him start to create different playlists for different states. So when he was feeling joy, when he was feeling sadness, when he was feeling overwhelm, um, when he was feeling anger or outrage, um, and and so what we were able to do is up his capacity for language to express some of these states mm -hmm. by tapping into song lyrics that were part of his playlist, which was really, really um, a lovely little tool that we found for ourselves. Great. Yeah, that's really neat. Mm -hmm. So those playlists would be a way of expressing whatever emotion he was feeling at the time. Yeah, exactly right. Or to invite him to come back to this state. So something, okay. especially with the uncomfortable emotions that we can feel, yeah. um, there's this desire to avoid or to move away from them. And so when he was wanting to, you know, like, like Victor Frankl, that quote, he yeah. sort of really what he's talking about is the pause, 
right? There, there's this pause, there's this gap that we can find uh, when we take a moment and take a breath. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we can say, okay, what am I really feeling here? What am I trying to avoid or move away from that I can allow myself more spaciousness for? Mm -hmm. So when this person was, you know, upping sort of his awareness and his mindfulness, um, he was able to take that pause, say, oh, there's something here for me, Mm -hmm. and then tap into music and tap into lyrics to allow himself the space, you know, even through a three minute song, which if we Mm -hmm. think about it in terms of your day, three minutes is not so much. to really sit and be with himself in that moment. Mm, Yeah. There was a guest on the podcast a while back in episode 20 who had done a lot of research on the science behind the healing power of music. And he talked Mm -hmm. quite a bit about how the entire brain is involved in processing information, but different sides of the brain are used to process words and language and and that side of the brain is a different side of the brain than that which processes trauma and Mm -hmm. also melody so he was talking about how when you combine words with melody it can have this just exponential ability for us to really absorb the message Mm -hmm. and for it to connect with us and have impact what are your thoughts or experience on that so, you know, to in, in uh, the spirit of full transparency in terms of the science and research, I don't know that I can speak to that. However, I use language so, so much. It's sort of one of my, my core values as a psychologist. And so I can certainly sit with the importance and song lyrics do such a great job at uh, giving us more language than we may have had access to uh, on our own. Um, And so certainly can speak to what happens when we can connect with the right lyrics to up the language, our language capacities for ourselves in ways to retrain the brain. So my, um, in my background, I started out primarily as a trauma therapist. That was sort of my original training in graduate school. And so this concept of neuroplasticity, and I do a lot of psychoeducation with folks and explain the wonderful thing about neuroplasticity is it lets us know that there's real science behind the fact that our brains can shift and adjust. And it's not, we don't have to, you know, kind of stay stuck in this idea of you can't teach an old dog new tricks. What Uh we know is that's actually not true. Uh And so when it comes to like, as I'm thinking uh, about um, what you said about this person who's talking about melody and language and and joining those two, I, I think about neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and our ability to create new what, what I call them are grooves in our brain. I, I think mm-hmm. about it almost like um, hiking, mm-hmm. right? If you're you're hiking this path, you're hiking this path, you're hiking this path. And even if there's some treacherous stuff along the way, that's sort of the path that you know, and that's the groove that you follow um, in terms of your neuropathways that were developed. But what you can do is you can start to create a new pathway that you're walking, right? So literal in the brain, li- literal new neuropathways that are being created. And this idea that that music and lyrics and melody can 
help create that neural pathway for you, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Uh-huh. What you were just describing reminds me of a book called The Chimp Paradox. Are you familiar mm-hmm. at all with that book? No, I don't know okay. it. My husband actually told me about it. His leadership group at work was, they, they write, read a book like every month and then talk about it. And that was the book for the month. This is several years ago. And after he read it, he said, I think you would really like this book. So I read it and I loved it, but it's all about that. It's it's like recognizing and being aware of the messages that you are telling yourself and mm. then evaluating them. And is this true? And is this helpful or is it not? And then kind of replacing them if you choose to do that. Mm. Interesting. So that's kind of that process of rewiring our brain through the messages we choose to accept and believe. Any other thoughts on that process? Yeah, another way as you were speaking, I started to think about the the language that I often use is internalization and externalization. And so in terms of the messaging that we get and we receive, uh, there is a process, the way I explain the process of internalization is we're getting this message from outside of ourselves somewhere, whether that is from a parent or from larger uh, uh, systems and institutions or that larger societal lens, we may be getting a message about ourselves, who we are, our identities, how we operate, all sorts of things that if we get that message enough, we start to internalize it, meaning now the message, instead of coming from the outside that we can see as separate from ourselves, is starting to come from the inside, even though it didn't originate there. Mm. And so one of the processes that can be really, really useful is, you know, in through psychotherapy, if we start to identify, ooh, maybe this is a message that was internalized and it actually didn't originate from inside me, we can start this process of externalization. And when I think about the role that music can play in that, I think about the process of um, this idea of internalization and externalization. It's used a lot in this theory called narrative therapy um, in terms of internalizing the dominant narrative, right? That's come from outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then going through this process of reauthoring our narrative um, into what's called the preferred narrative or the language I use is an authentic narrative. And so when I think about it in terms of that, that marrying this reauthoring with music and with lyrics, there's a way in which I, I absolutely think that one could start to identify the music that promotes the reauthoring of that authentic narrative and of that preferred narrative. Mm-hmm. You described a really neat way of using incorporating music into your therapy when you described how you use it to bring a patient into a certain state or Mm -hmm. to use different song lyrics as a way to increase vocabulary and just be able to communicate and articulate more what's Mm -hmm. going on. Are there any other ways that you've incorporated music into your therapy practice? You know, with young people, I spent a lot of time, now I currently only see adults, but I spent a lot of time uh, working with younger folks, with teenagers, about 14 mm-hmm. to 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And music was a great way to not only to express themselves, um, but also a nice way to learn 
about themselves, if that makes sense. And so what I mean by that is in finding different songs or finding different lyrics or whatever it is to learn, huh, do I connect with this? If I do, why am I connecting with this? What is this about? What does it speak to in my experience or myself? Or do I not connect with this? And if the answer is no, still being curious about that. What am I not connecting with here? What doesn't make sense to me about this? Or what makes me more curious if this isn't speaking to me in a particular way? And so that's a nice way to bring music onto the scene too, is not just a way to express ourselves or have that access to language, but also as a learning tool to better understand ourselves and increase that that self-knowledge or that self-knowing. Uh-huh. Did you see any patterns of a certain songs coming up over and over again or not? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> mm. I, I kind of think of yeah. like Taylor Swift would like shake it off. You know, mm. I, I kind of think that could be a helpful song that a lot of people may find beneficial. Yeah, nothing stands out to me in particular that I can remember. I do remember, and this is, you know, my own personal experience, I do remember this was, oh, I don't know, five or six years ago, maybe, hearing a song on the radio. Oh, shoot, now I'm going to have to remember the lyrics. But I, I remember, even if I'm not remembering the lyrics, I'm, I'm remembering the 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 feeling it brought up for me and actually the concern it brought up for me around, okay, this is, you know, it's a kind of like a pop, hip hop, you know, top 40s radio play song. Um, and the lyrics were were concerning to me. And I was like, oh, shoot, man, you know, um, if young folks are are hearing this and internalizing, right, going back to this idea of internalization, if this is being internalized in some way, shape or form, is this messaging? And again, I can't remember exactly what the messaging was. Is this messaging going to potentially negatively impact this person? Whereas, you know, other songs like you mentioned, Taylor Swift's Shape it off or um, I'm a big fan of John Bellion and he has a lot of really really great messaging in his music or Michael Franti has a lot of really great messaging in his music if that was more of the uh, you know top 40s radio play I always wonder what impact it would have absolutely well we like to talk and we need to talk about big picture policies like vaccines and bailouts and mental health reform sure but in doing that I don't want to overlook the power of something as accessible and immediate as conscious music and intentional Mm -hmm. music and the power that it has to decrease stress levels and anxiety and violence and increase our general happiness and mental and emotional well-being and spiritual clarity. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so in thinking about the way in which, you know, I the word that comes to my mind in particular is intentionality and ways in which we can be intentional with our music and, and what we're intaking uh, as a way to sort of set ourselves up um, to just function better and live a little bit more fully. Mm. 
Yeah. There's a term that I had never heard until I was preparing for this episode or thinking about this episode, and that was the term conscious music and conscious music movement. And actually, I heard it from Michael Franti. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it's based on the power of words combined with melody and just the idea that that combination has the ability to really incorporate and integrate a message into our minds in a unique and meaningful way. There's a quote that that describes it as a strong message conveyed by a meaningful song can bring about positive change in your life. And that's from the Rockers Movement website. I'll Mm. include a link in the show notes. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm thinking about actually, as you're speaking, I was thinking about a moment I had in my personal life where I described it as um, my well-being dried out. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we all have our own personal resource well. And yeah. um, especially right now, uh, during this time um, in our world globally and in our country nationally and in our, our lives personally, mm-hmm. um, we are drawing on our wells a lot more than we normally would. And you can't draw water from a dried up well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was noticing for myself that my well was feeling sort of dried up. And I was thinking, okay, how do I replenish this well? Um, and I happened uh, I happened to be with my mother who put on a song. It's a song called Makiba by Jane. Jane is J-A-I-N. And it's a song that with not only... Um, the lyrics but also the melody it gets like into your soul if if there's time at the end of the end of the uh the episode here as i you know i'm thinking about the the coda and we talked about yeah the music that impacted my life and and you sharing what you just did makiba really came to my mind um that not only through that conscious and intentional effort to really let myself get lost in this song, but also to feel it into my body, right? So we can't talk about our mental emotional well-being without also mentioning our physical selves and our physical body because the mind-body connection is just way too strong to ignore. Mm. And so I'm thinking about this moment where my well was feeling pretty dried up. I had mentioned it to my mom. She put on this song. We cranked it up. And I simply allowed myself to get lost for the moment. Mm -hmm. There's a way in which, you know, especially I certainly want to uh, name and honor and acknowledge that I'm I'm speaking about this through a pretty privileged lens Mm -hmm. in the sense of um, I am white identified. I, um, you know, have a roof over my head. I am healthy. I'm able to work. All of these points of privilege Mm -hmm. uh, that I have access to. Um, So just want to name that and put that caveat there. But I was able to give myself a moment to say, you know what, for the three minute duration of this song, I'm going to allow myself to get lost. And I did. And it really, again, that mind body connection, I allowed the melody, the lyrics to flow into my body and through me and, and then into, you know, my my mental and emotional self Mm -hmm. to simply let myself go and become refilled. And the amazing thing, really, all it took was three minutes worth of a song, (laughs) which really blows my mind in terms of the power of that melodic and lyrical, what you're speaking to, what Michael Franti spoke to, 
the power of that, you know, I've certainly, yes, I have seen it in myself, in my personal life, like I just described. Um, and there's a way in which in the um, mental health world, that's being spoken to in a lot of ways. Sure. Uh, well, I will have to check that song out. I'm not familiar oh, it's so good. with it. Oh, it is so good. I, to you, to your listeners, I highly, <laughs> highly suggest it. it. It just, it gets right in there and fills you up. Yeah. Oh, neat. Well, as you were talking about that well and drawing on our own personal well, I was thinking that's one thing I wish we had a better way of quantifying in this whole yeah. pandemic situation because we have these ways of testing and measuring the number of tests and positive mm. and negative and deaths and ventilators and all that. But there's so much a part of well-being and, and health in the broad sense that is tied to mental and emotional well-being. And how do you measure and quantify that and measure the effects of losing a job and being laid off and not being able to physically hug your relatives when you're mm -hmm. living in assisted living? You know, I, I wish there was a better way to measure that. Yeah, it's it's a tricky thing because it's so it's so different for everybody. A common, very unsatisfying or potentially unsatisfying answer um, to all questions in the mental health field that you'll get is it depends. Mm -hmm. um, and so for some folks that can be pretty unsatisfying because we want to have, like you said, we want to have like a measurement and an objective truth and a way to really quantify something. Mm -hmm. But it's so different for everybody. The way that I experience my well-being empty might be very, very different from the way you experience your well-being empty mm -hmm. or your husband experiences his way or your child experiences their way and so on and so forth. And yeah. so, you know, there are these... Um, um, general traits or general characteristics or, or general um, things that we can certainly measure. But the truth is, is that, you know, the, the way that I often describe it is that so much of life, nearly everything in life exists on a spectrum. And so there is a way in which when we can sort of accept that anything's going to be on any point of the spectrum at any given time, it gives us a lot more compassion to not only where we are at on that spectrum, right? How full or how empty is my well? And also to anyone that we're interacting with, mm -hmm. how full or empty might their well be? Yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, you've described yourself as a big music fan. What yes. is your relationship with music and your background with music? Well, music has always been something that's sort of been, I, I would describe it as been in the background of my life. You know, I remember driving to school with my mom and being in elementary school and her quizzing me on, you know, uh, the lead singer and lead guitarist of Led Zeppelin. Oh, really? Yeah. And, you know, so I know I knew who Jimmy Page was as, you know, a fourth grader and, um, you know, and my father, too. And I also grew up in a family um, that was into musical theater. Um, and so, you know, I, I have an older brother who is a lighting and scenic designer in the theater industry. And so music in that sense, too, has always been a part of my life. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, I just I really remember it just sort of always being this undercurrent in my life. I also I 
personally, I love dance. And so you can't have dance without music. <laughs> yep. And so I, I and, and I also, like I said earlier, I'm someone who's so big on language. And so for me, especially as a young person, finding my voice and, and finding, you know, my emotional experiences and things like that, lyrics and song lyrics really, really offered me that wider range, which, you know, now, as I said earlier, I, I see coming into my work as a professional uh-huh. um, in terms in terms of song lyrics. Um, so yeah, music is, is a big part of my life. It's always usually always on unless I'm working. It's usually always on in the background somewhere. It's a big part of my partner's life. Um, you know, my husband is more uh, musical than I in the sense that he plays a number of instruments and things like that. But in terms of of music and emotion, that's really where it hits for me. Music, music is a really big access to feelings for me. Mm-hmm. Well, the the person Y Harburg who wrote the lyrics to "Over the Rainbow" said, mm-hmm. "Words make you think a thought. Music makes you feel a feeling. A song makes you feel a thought." <laughs> mm, yes, I love that. I would I would sign on on to that 100%. <laughs> well, I'll include ways in the show notes for listeners con- to connect with you, your website and information on your book. Now you have another book coming out in the fall. Is that right? I do. I do. Unfortunately, I can't talk too, too much about it. Um, okay. However, I am I'm very excited about this one and excited about its release. It speaks to um, it's written to speak to the demographic that I work with, which is folks in their like early 20s to early 30s and and all different life experiences that they go through. Okay, well, when that releases, be sure to send me the information and I will update today's show notes with that information. (laughs) Absolutely, you got it. Well, I asked my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing Mm -hmm. a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. And you've already given us, boy, a couple, like really (laughs) powerful stories of music's impact on your life. So I don't know, I'll leave that up to you. Is there any other story that you want to share or just any other thoughts in closing that you want to share? Yeah, the last one that I would speak to is actually the the one that I had originally shared with you as I was thinking about closing out is the song Holy by Jamila Woods as I was thinking about both melody and lyric and how they really speak to your experience and, and can make you feel some type of way. The song Holy, it it really speaks to our capacity for self-love and being whole on all on our own. Um, And so that's a song that I was introduced to a number of years ago that I I sort of have this regular playlist of songs that I come back to time and time again. Mm -hmm. um, and, And Holy by Jamila Woods is on there as one that when I am really needing to just bolster me, myself, and I um, in terms of, you know, who I am authentically, my preferred narrative, my preferred story about me. That's one that I often come back to. So uh, it's one that I would suggest to you, to any of your listeners, to check in with. Thanks so much to Dr. Goldstein for sharing her time and expertise and stories with us today. 
If you're a person of faith, this information can be applied to mindfully integrating messages of spiritual truth and inspiration. Some of my favorite artists for spiritually inspiring music and messaging are Danny Gokey, Toby Mack, and Lauren Daigle. As always, there are lots of links in the show notes to resources and artists we mentioned in today's conversation, including a link to episode 20 with Steve Seiler, the guest who explains how the brain processes melody, trauma, and words, and the impact of combining melody and words in a song. I'd love to hear about the intentional songs you listen to that have the greatest impact on your perspective and well-being. You can connect with me on social media, email, and my website. All links can be found at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 51. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.